Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hire My VA Team and Business Building Podcast brought to you by Ugozi.com. In this podcast and at Hire My VA, we help you to reclaim your freedom through hiring and thriving with virtual assistance without breaking the bank. And that means your no. bank, the most important one. <laughs> I'm Dave Braun, and I'm here with Larry Broughton, a partner in all things coaching, business mentor, coaches me in life. Larry, we just got done with a, a VWISE event learn more from you. It's it's awesome to be walking this journey with you, man. Oh, thank you, handsome Dave. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. That was a good, powerful uh, event, particularly everything that's been going on in our in our lives. But uh, boy, it was a great energy recharge, wasn't it? The optimism there was just off the charts. Maybe it's because we've not been out there for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Due to the the pandemic, for those people that are listening to this 15 years from now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But yeah, I'm just so inspired by those women uh, who are running their businesses or they're about to launch their businesses. Um, It takes courage. It takes guts to do this, to be on the journey that we're on. Yeah. Launching your businesses. So many courageous women there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always inspired when I participate in that. And then the getting, having them get up in front of us, you know, with a, in a hot seat or in our yeah. you know jam session and being in front of everybody and talking about their issue. That that's courage. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's dive into this, Dave. I think we have a question. Yeah. So why else, why, why are we here? Why did you bring me here today, Dave? <laughs> well, just because I want to see your smiling face and have you call me handsome Dave. <laughs> okay. Hello, handsome Dave. <laughs> All, All right. right. All right. Well, here's the question. Yeah. What are the five most important things that a manager needs to do? <laughs> I always chuckle at these, Dave. I know. <laughs> when somebody writes in these questions, why do you want five if there might be 10? <laughs> like, you write your questions, people, however you want to write them. What are the top uh, uh, things? Not the top things, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, there's so many books that have been written about this. And one of the things I love about you, Dave, is you get these books and you, you're like a dog with a bone and you write your own book summaries for us. <laughs> 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 and I love that. But there's a lot of things, um, I think. I want, I want to start it with this. And I want to hand it over to you because there's a book that we've been, we were talking about um, recently, Smarter, Faster, Better, that we I'm, I'm going to guess you're going to kind of hit on here since that's a hot button issue for you. I am always cautious when business owners are asking about how can I be a better manager? Mm, Good question. Um, It's like I have this distinction. I hate it when our coaching clients um, call the people who do transactions with us or who fund our businesses by doing business with us, by buying our service or product. I hate it. It's like nails on a chalkboard for me when they call those folks customers. Oh yeah. Not, yeah. And not clients. Because to me, customers are transactional, clients are relational, you know, and to me, words have meaning, right? If you want to build a sustainable business, you have to have a relationship with people so they buy from you over and over again. It's very difficult to run a business if you're doing onesie twosie transactions over and over again. Right. Absolutely. So I feel the same way about managers versus leaders. Now, there are certainly people that we have to have in managerial leader roles, the people who get stuff done, who supervise the tasks that get things done, right? So if you're asking about that, whoever it is that submitted this question, what are the you know important traits of a manager? And that's what you mean. I'm okay with it. But if you mean what are the traits of an effective transformational leader, 
who thinks strategically, who might be a business owner, that's a different set of skills, right? So maybe what we ought to do, let's focus on the way the question was literally written <laughs> and focus on manager. Yeah, so and, that's, and that's my and, preamble to the whole thing, but. Well, why, but I think some of these tips, um, they're really, Larry, to be honest, I think it's more, if you're gonna be the, an empowering manager, how do you be an empowering manager? Because the, mm -hmm. the definition of manager is like, hey, we manage the system to stay the way it is and to produce sure. certain results. Well, and sometimes really leaders, right. And sometimes leaders have to play managerial, have managerial yeah. roles as well. I get it. I'm just saying words have meaning, you know, and if you want your manager, here's what, what are the, some of the complaints that we get from team members? Why aren't my team members, employees or managers more like me? What they're really saying, why don't they take responsibility? Why don't they step into the leadership gap? Why don't they make decisions? Those are those are leadership traits. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's, that's all I'm saying on this. And maybe I've got an edge to me today. Maybe I'm looking to jump on somebody. Arr, I know. know. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Well, let's explore this, you know, and, um, and, 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 and I think as we, as we talk about some of these traits, maybe yeah. they are all uh, much better suited for a leadership type of position, because really, if you are a manager, yeah. um, if you have, you know, a lot of times we think of a manager as having somebody under them, you have a position of authority over them, mm -hmm. not necessarily, uh -huh. uh, but if you do, then really, if you're going to be a, a really effective manager, you should be thinking more leadership. There than you go. Managing. I agree. And but, frankly, if you want to move up in an organization or you want to move someone up in your organization, you need to be coaching, training them, mentoring them to be more of a leader than a manager. Exactly. Right. So yeah. let's dive into this. Shall we use kind of um, Duhigg's book, the smarter, faster, better uh, as a, as a, as a platform. And that, yeah. that seems like, you know, he, um, I, I forget what it was called. This, this thing with Google um, a long time ago. Well, I, I speak it and it appears. If only that would happen in the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you don't work with me enough, Larry. <laughs> so, okay. All right. So folks, you can't see this uh, if you're just listening, obviously. Uh, but you can imagine I'm holding up the Smarter, Faster, Better book. It's nice, pretty orange color. Yes. And the author is Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit. Um, yeah. I'm, one of, I'm a fan of his, but he goes yeah. into a lot of detail right. and and he's got multiple chapters in here of how to be smarter, faster, better. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Larry, when we talked about doing this, we talked about having fun. Let's have some That's fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so smarter, faster, better is an amazing book, but there's a chapter in there that talks about, um, I think managing and teams and all that. And, and he refers to, um, a project that Google did many years ago. Now this book was written, um, the copyright is 2014. So yeah. those of you who are listening to it today, Google has changed a lot, yeah, sure but um, they're still, you know, obviously one of the most valuable companies or Alphabet is. Uh -huh. And so I think we can learn a lot from them, whether or not you agree with any politics. But this was in 2014. It was a very different time um, when this was written. And yes. their Google's research is done probably around in like 2010, 2011, yeah. but people don't change. So I think that research is really, really valid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in um, the, the findings that are, he has in the book uh, from project oxygen. So here are um, the eight 
things that are listed and we'll talk about them in more detail area as we go. But let's, let's, let's back up though. Where do okay. these findings come from? Right? So there's a huge study done on the efficacy, efficiency of the organization. How did things flow more efficiently? How did they, they've measured, um, um, uh, tenure in the organization, turnover, team member satisfaction, those kind of things to come up with. Th these are kind of some traits or skill sets that a manager needed to have or possess to be highly effective. Yeah, they, they basically, at, right? Yeah, they looked at all of their projects and gathered a bunch of data on what they considered was successful projects, maybe some that weren't successful yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. And so they really spent time several years looking at the data um, itself. <clears throat> there you go. All right. So here they are. Um, number one is a good coach. Number two empowers. Well, so it's like a highly effective manager is a good coach. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's one of the characteristics or traits yeah. is yeah. a good coach. The second one is empowers and does not micromanage. Oh, that's one of the big ones, I think, for, for so many people. They hate to be micromanaged. And, and Larry, given our discussion earlier, that is a leadership trait, not really mm -hmm. a management trait. But, no. So empowers and does not micromanage. Number three is expresses interest and concern in subordinates' success and well-being. Mm -hmm. Number four is results-oriented. Number five is listens and shares information. Number six is helps with career development. Number seven is has a clear vision and strategy. And then number eight is has key technical skills. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, sorry, whoever wrote this question. You said what, number eight. That's not five. That's, this is my point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's eight. All right, so let's just chop three of those off of there. Now, maybe what we got to do, Dave, is go through those blow by blow and talk about maybe... Um, dissect like what is uh, a good coach for instance yeah and i yeah i agree let's go through each one so i think larry I mean, you're really good at defining the differences between the coach mentor teacher counselor all that kind of stuff because when we say the word yeah. coach a lot of times we are thinking all right a basketball coach a football coach but it's yeah. interesting in in baseball, they call them, you know, the manager. <laughs> right, right. So, what right. is the, what do you think is the difference between some sure. of those, um, those well, characteristics? Well, as you said, there's overlap among some of these things, but typically a coach is someone who works with you to bring out the best in you in a certain skill set or area. They ask a lot of questions, they help you find the solution, they look, making sure that your elbow is in the right position on the swing. They really analyze you. And the impact of their efforts is to help you become more more better is what I was about to say. It's future oriented, right? Yes. You're looking towards the future. If you fix this, you'll be better in the future. Mentors, on the other hand, um, share their experiences with you. And we're not just looking about how do I throw a better free throw, but how do you become a better person, a better executive, a better leader? They take all of their experiences, all of their resources, and they make those available to you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So sometimes mentors do act as coaches though. Yes. Okay. Now on teachers, when we hear someone use the word teacher, we've all had teachers if you've gone to any kind of school, right? Teachers share information and knowledge mm -hmm. from their own teach from their own training that, that they've learned. Okay. So they may just be talking about a specific topic. They may not be getting in the in the batter's cage with you, for instance. Mm-hmm. 
okay but they may be talking you through through the through the process counselor is very interesting you know i'm i've been reading this um two different um books and watching documentaries i tend to be a little obsessed on the romanovs you know the the last czars uh, of russia um and uh, and also i'm kind of a fan of the early stoics and so i'm reading a lot about the the, the roman empire right and um and so counselors were played important roles back then right um in this uh setting though counselors are more like they, they they're reactive to things that have happened in the past so you think about okay i've got to go see my school counselor you know my academic counselor um oftentimes they're going to look at you know how you been doing dave i know you just failed that chemistry test for the fourth time you know right right time to actually start studying my friend yeah so, i think those are general descriptions that might accurately reflect the, the differences did we did do we get all of them that, yeah that i think so for? i think so yeah. I, I know that there's there's a therapist in there and sure you know where you they're trying to also look back at the past some of the maybe the trauma that you've had to help you understand what happened in your past so that mm -hmm. you can understand yourself for today sure yeah, yeah. um and but sometimes i think when they, they talk about a good coach um sometimes there's like you said it's all inner inner what interwoven uh -huh. and you may have to kind of swap between some of those roles if you're going to be an effective uh, coach for somebody because yeah. the whole idea i think larry is to help get the best performance out of um you yeah and there's times when you've got to do what you can in those areas for example larry i think um in you know all of our different mastermind programs and our virtual spotlight sessions there are so many nuggets of wisdom that um we share, but in particular, you share from all of the experiences in the past that is really uh, more in the depths of uh, a counselor yeah. or, or a therapist only because yeah. of experience and, and understanding but a lot of times failures and failures. Yeah. And <laughs> a lot of times that's because that is what's needed for the person to get them to the next level of performance or to help them get unstuck. Yeah, well, I think particularly in the mentor counselor categories, you need someone who's willing to be honest, transparent, and vulnerable with you. Yeah. I, if somebody's teaching me something, I don't necessarily need them or a coach, you know, you know, telling me to keep my elbow up or tucked in, whatever the sport is that I'm doing. I don't need to know about the emotional journey that got me, got them there to, to make sure that the elbow stays up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't. But if, when it comes down to human interaction, when it comes down to just living, living life, trying to live a life of significance, moving closer to my fullest potential, I want to have someone that I can relate to because this journey that we're on is going to suck our lifeblood sometimes, mm -hmm. right? And oftentimes we as leaders and managers feel like we're the only ones. Why am I the only one struggling with this? When the truth is, if you've got a good mentor or counselor, and again, sometimes those are people that are just one step above you on the ladder of life um if they would share with you you know what as you're about to go into this season like you're taking over this new project you're launching this new business you're hiring this new person beware of the pitfalls because this this could be what happened it happens oftentimes you're just better prepared for the emotional damage or slings and arrows that are going to come come at you right yeah because you're more prepared but you're not going to get that from usually from a teacher or a coach 
It's more from a mentor. Exactly. A counselor. Exactly. Right. And you got to keep in mind, as you're playing these roles in your organization, you're teaching these people in your organization how to do the same thing. Mm. People are parrots. Team members are parrots. Where they say, you know, stuff rolls downhill, right? Lead by example. You've heard all of these types of things, right? So the better you are at it, the more intentional you are at this, the better your team members will become at yes. this. Yes. Right? So maybe we ought to move into this, this next one, Dave, which is kind of a hot button issue for me. And it's like that really effective managers are those folks who empower their team members and don't micromanage them. Because oftentimes I think managers end up micromanaging when they've made a bad hire. If you have to micromanage someone, that's probably because of a mistake you or someone else in the organization has made. Mm, that's a or, great point. Or you've not either trained them enough or you've not pulled the trigger on coaching them up or coaching them out of the organization. All right, this is oftentimes not a reflection of them, but a reflection of you. That takes courage to look in the mirror and say, oh, where have I gone wrong? I need to keep micromanaging this person. If you do your skills-based assessments that we talk about in a lot of these, um, not just skills-based assessments, but you do assessments, whether it's cognitive or cognitive uh, assessments before you bring someone into your organization, um, and you make sure that the cognitive stuff is there, they've got the skills to do it, there ought to be a short period of training or a long period of training, depending on what it is, and then let them go, set them free to do it. You give them parameters, you give them boundaries within which to play, and you say, hey, here are the results I expect from you, or better, let them do it, and then you just check in along the way. Checking in along the way on progress is a lot different than micromanaging. Micromanaging is constantly looking over their shoulder. Do you think you ought to be doing it this way? Do you think you ought to be doing that? I think you ought to do it this way. Um, because you're setting people up for failure. And I would ask this question, have you ever been micromanaged? Most people have. And how did that make you feel? <laughs> right? Dave, have you been micromanaged before? Oh, yeah. And if you and how are, do you feel? Oh, you, you feel, um, how would I say it? You feel like almost why bother? Exactly. Why should I use my brain to think through any new solutions, come up with any new products or innovative ideas when they're either all going to get shot down or I'm going to be told exactly what to do and I can't express my creativity? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it stifles your creativity. You feel less than valuable. Oftentimes you feel worthless, right? Um, you feel minimized and marginalized. And you don't feel like you're a valuable contributor to the team. None of those things are, are, are good things, right? Um, but to empower someone means you're going to let them bring their best that they got to the team. And by the way, and this is a big thing, Dave, you got to be willing to accept that they're going to fail from time to time, that they're going to make mistakes. You Listen, my friends, mistakes and failures are part of business. Without mistakes and failures, there would not be innovation. There would not be positive change in your organization. The key here is how do we respond, respond as managers and leaders to these mistakes? Do we use it as an opportunity to do an AAR, an after action review? What do we do right? What do we do wrong? And how can we improve the next time? Or we just accept the mistakes and beat the snot out of somebody and scold them and dock their pay or whatever it is that some of these organizations do when they make mistakes. All wrong, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, you have to like use these mistakes as an opportunity to learn and encourage it, encourage healthy mistakes. Now, if it's a life safety issue, that's a different story. 
Right. And if it, if it, if it puts something of our clients at risk, yeah. And yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We had a, um, we had something I was working with Daphne on and I had an Uh idea of, Hey, this may help you to be a little bit more productive. Uh Let's talk about it. And I said, what do you think? And then I was just waiting on her to be able to respond to me to say, yeah, "Yeah, I'm curious. Tell me more. So we talked about it and then we implemented some of it together. Always implement some of these ideas together with your team. And then at some point she's like, I got it. I'm going to take it over and finish it up. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Saved me time. Yeah. Felt empowered. Yep. And now she's responsible for uh, the solution going forward. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Like it was, so, lot. It was, so it was great. It's great. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it is really hard. And a lot of times, Larry, when you first bring somebody on, you have a trust issue with them and you're going to micromanage. It's, it's hard at the beginning. You've got to figure out that balance of where do you micromanage at the beginning and where you, you don't. And I would say like what you said, uh, ask, tell them here, are the results that I want or better and give them the boundaries. Yeah. I like that. And by the way, you can even joke around in the beginning say, you know, <laughs> I may be, it might feel micromanaging for the first week. It won't always be like this. I just want to make sure that I'm setting you up for success. So now's the time to ask any questions on me. Like, here's the thing that I remember a team member that I had hired years ago and, um, I was, we, it was, the second hotel, I think that we'd, we'd taken over. And so I was showing him how we were doing things and he was like taking it all in. And he said, um, well, I like the way we're doing this, but have you considered doing it another way? And he offered the way. So he was already, and it was a better way. He was already bringing value in from the beginning, right? I was trying to give him all this information and that's the way I think it ought to be. You want to encourage your new team member to share ideas on how they can bring efficiency or productivity or whatever you're looking for with this new person um, into the organization, capitalize on that fresh blood. If you don't let them bring in these fresh ideas in the beginning, you're basically sending a subliminal message to them that we don't want to hear about your ideas because you really have two opportunities. Usually you can hire from within or hire some new blood from outside the organization. If you're promoting, if you're promoting from within, there's already a bunch of institutional DNA that's wrapped around this. But if you're hiring someone from the outside, take advantage of the skill set and the experiences that they have from another organization to help you become a better organization. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, well, I think right. we should we should jump into number three. Okay. Which so number three is expresses interest and concern in subordinates' success and well-being. That's so important. Um, you know, I think this ties into one of the later ones as well about um, career development, but expressing interest in their well-being, you know, on my to-do list that I usually carry around with me, one of the questions on here, now this is people from my direct reports, I've had, there are six questions on here, and I ask a couple of these. So the first one, I'll just go through with them. Number one, what decisions do you need from me? Number two, what problems are keeping you from your priorities? Number three, what plans are you making, which we haven't discussed? Number four, what progress have you made since we last met? And the next two, those ones I would say are professional, right? The next two is on a scale of one to 100, how are you doing personally and why? And then the last one is, in what areas can I keep you in my thoughts and prayers? 
well, gosh, you know, my father's got terminal cancer and, you know, I'm really distracted right now. That sure would answer a lot of the questions that you're having about why, why is the TPS report not getting submitted on time, right? Yes. Um, if you know what's going on in people's lives, um, then um, you can manage your own expectations of them. But also there's a sense of belonging. You got to remember that a lot of our team members, I'm not a big fan of saying, hey, this is my family. We're like a family here. You know, it's great if you can get that familial feeling there. But the truth is many of these people are going to spend more time with you if you're working inside some brick walls than they're going to spend with their family members. It sure would be nice to know who is it that you're working with, what's going on in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked a little bit more in depth about this, I think, in the previous episode, which was 120, and that was how do I encourage my team members towards personal growth and development? So we mm. touched on it, but I think that you bring out an important point about the concern and care for them um, personally, right? So the success and well-being, when we when we read this, it says number three is expresses interest and concern and subordinate success and well-being. Well, we all know success and well-being is not just business success. It's all the other areas that people have in their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I had um, one of our um, one of our VAs on our team, Larry. Um, she, uh, her uncle just passed from lung cancer. Yeah, she just started with us not too long ago. So, was thinking about okay, what can I do? It's kind of hard when they're in the Philippines. You can't like send flowers and stuff, but mm-hmm. contributed um, some money towards their funeral expenses mm-hmm. and uh, gave a couple of extra days off. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of things that we can do as owners and managers that indicate we are concerned about their success and well-being. But it is, and it's so important to ask questions and to be concerned in that way. But it's also important to show action, yeah. take action, especially when there's um, you know a death or something like that. They're going through something pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, people want to work with compassionate people. Yes. It's just the way it is. And it's um, my friends, we are moving into, and I've been saying this for a while, what I'm calling a relationship economy. Okay. Um, your workers are no longer robots sitting behind milling machines in the industrial age. Those days yes. are gone. Okay. And they yeah. do have choices where they spend their time, where they invest their time, where they earn their money. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Good. What's the next one? I forget what the next one was say. The fourth one is results oriented. Oh, this is a good one. We kind of said this in a way. Well, I mean, if you're if you're in business, damn it, you better be results oriented. This is not yeah. even if you are in a not non for profit organization, you got to be results oriented. One of my big things is what's measured is improved. Yes, right? um, and so I think we need to be looking at that and we have to set expectations among all of our team members of what we expect from them on a day-to-day basis. In our morning stand-up call, we do two major things. One is we start with when, when it's someone's turn, um, it's here's what I'm grateful for. And they list what they're grateful for. And then say, here's what I'm doing today. Here are the results I will be accomplishing today. Does that make sense? Yes. So you, you got to build a culture of being results oriented. And we kind of alluded to it uh, a little bit earlier of about here's what I expect or better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why do we do that? Because if you tell people, here's what I expect, that will be the ceiling of what 
they perform to for most people. Not all, but most people. But if you say this or better, that helps the entire organization. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. And I think it's important that, you know, you have your KPIs for your team to track. Key performance and, indicators. Key performance indicators. And also, folks, just a quick tip. We should discuss this at some point, but uh -huh. some of these KPIs are going to be lag measures and some of them are going to be lead measures. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have both in your organization. That's right. Lagging indicators are those that look in the past. Leading indicators predict the future. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Number five is listens and shares information. And mm. I know we had a podcast. I can't remember the exact episode, but I know we had one where we talked about how vulnerable do we need to be as leaders. So that mm -hmm. kind of relates to it, but you know, not exactly. I think this is a lot more towards um, the information you share as, you know, from a company basis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here it is. We have, we talked, it was episode 48. I got to read my own notes. <laughs> okay. All right. That's when we, we talked about it. Um, so listens and shares information. And I think, um, one of the things that's important for us to say, well, what does listening really, really mean? And I know, uh, I've heard several times when people talk about the drive by listening where uh, you're, like you're going through a fast food drive-through and drive-by listening or drive-through listening is when you know, you're repeating your order. I want a hamburger, fries, and a, and a shake. They repeat back to you. Okay, you want a hamburger, fries, and shake. No, that's, that's not the kind of repeating that you want to do to show that you listened. You want to be able to tell them back kind of the gist of what they had said. Yeah, yeah. So you want, you want to get the gist, but also I think, what does this mean? You can help them articulate. So what this means for the organization or your efforts is this. So you get really super clear on it. Um, you can do this during your four corners walk. Um, oh, yeah. If you, if you have a physical facility, um, I'm a big believer of what they call, say, call walking the four corners. And that's like walking through the entire organization and just the management by leading around. You know, um, in the restaurant business, we call it touching tables, where the manager ought to be coming out. If you're at a good restaurant, you'll notice that a management company will literally touch the table subtly because they want to be that close to you. How are things going? Is there anything we can do to help improve your experience yeah. with us? They're listening to you, right? Well, we need to do the same, the same thing with our team members, right? Um, and um, I think a common mistake, Dave, that people make, that managers make them when they're doing what some, some people call performance appraisals is they sit down and they just talk at the I mean, <laughs> just word intentionally employee for a second, instead of making it, which ought to be about 15% of that performance appraisal meeting. The other 85% ought to be talking about the future. How can we help you develop? What are our goals for the future? Could you, you co-create these things and people will feel much more listened to much more appreciated and much more valued. Um, in, in the in the organization, um, but ask open-ended questions. I think is a really important um, element of being an effective manager. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was interesting, Larry, at the at the conference that we went to, the VWise conference, and we went to this restaurant, um, slang and <laughs> chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when we were ordering and we were trying to figure it out? What happened? The uh, owner, the owner. Was in the back. He came out because he was listening. Yeah. He was listening and he heard that we were a little bit confused or we were new customers and he came over and he said, he said, here's the pictures. 
Here's the pictures of what the menu, what's on the menu that might help because they yep. weren't above on the, uh, on the, and then the screens as well. Yeah. And that, and that helped. So he was listening to what the problem was and he came up with a pretty quick solution. Yeah. Now, They've only I, been open for a couple of months and they're so good. Yeah. That's so good. Now I wish he would have told his team member who was standing there, uh -huh. Hey, why don't you help them bring the screen up? Well, we don't know that he didn't do that afterwards. Right. Good. But yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. The other element that though of this, Dave, is not just listening, but it's sharing information, right? It's one of the complaints that we hear oftentimes in organizations when we're doing our consulting and you're going to start talking to the team members. I don't know what's going on. Mm, yeah. Right. I don't know the health of the organization. Um, I didn't know that we've got a group coming in. I didn't know that we have this, had this order. I didn't know that I had this client who was pissed off about the quality of our product. Managers and leaders need to share information right? They need to be an aggregator of information and a disseminator of information. Okay. So that, that's really important. Um, and back to the listening though, listening is only effective if you are then applying what you've heard or correcting what you've learned. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I shared this within a podcast with you recently or someone recently, we acquired a hotel several years ago and you're going, we're going through all the online reviews and, Everyone's like over and over again, dusty mirrors, dusty ceiling fans, dusty, dusty armoires. And so we get there and I think the tallest room attendant was five foot two and they're all very short little people. And, um, and so after we took over, we said, Hey, what's going on? Why, why is this? You know, if you don't know in the hotel industry, we have what we call dust wands. Mm -hmm. They're long wands. So you can dust on top of things. And the room attendant said, we've been asking for dust wands forever and we just don't get them. And so we can't get up because they're not allowed to get on ladders in the rooms. Right. And so what was the first thing we did? We got them dust wands and all of a sudden they feel good. The quality of the product jumps. They feel better about their jobs. They feel better about themselves. They feel better like they're better team members. So you have to act on what it is that you're learning while you're on your listening tour. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, number six is helps with career development. Oh, so important. So yeah. I, I think when it comes to career development, I think it's going to start with asking, where do you see yourself in a year, two years, three years, five years? Yeah. I think that's an important element, but I think also just helping them be better at the job that they're currently in. Right. We, I share this stat all the time. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I'll just tell you it comes to bear every year when Gallup does their state of the American workforce survey, most people leave their organization because they feel like they're not being professionally developed. Right. Most team members expect that their current employer is going to help them become better at their job and set them up for the next promotion. If you're not doing that, that's what that will contribute to one of the reasons why people are leaving your organization. Yeah. People want to feel like they're on a winning team. Winning teams are constantly practicing, getting better at what they do, anticipating what the next challenge is going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and one of the things you can do as a leader, as a manager, is make sure you understand or have developed some type of a educational reimbursement type of a program. There you go. I like that idea. Uh -huh. You can do it from all the way from helping them uh, reimburse a portion or all of them going back to school at a formal uh -huh. college, or you could say, hey, I'm going to pay for you to take three Udemy classes this quarter or something like that. Uh, yeah. Give them the freedom to select, but make sure you understand how you're going to be able to 
reimburse them and what the options are, because a lot of folks won't because of money. If you're going to pay for it, that will help. That will help. Yeah. them. And yeah. the kind of folks that you hire, remember, Larry, we talk about uh, motivation, integrity, and capacity. If you have somebody who's a high level of motivation, they should be wanting to continually improve themselves. Sure. So they're going to, they're going to jump at the chance Absolutely. of taking something like that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be um, exactly within their career, but hopefully, um, hopefully it will be. Yeah. doesn't have to be though. You're right. I think that as I remember correctly, we got into, I remember looking at the book when you mentioned this, is that effective, these managers, leaders we're talking about, had to have a clear vision and strategy for where they're taking either the department or the company. We talk about this heavily in this victory book, the V is for vision, um, right? And so it's so important that not only are they developing a vision, let's say that you're a departmental manager, the vision for that department needs to support the overall vision of the organization. All right. So, but let's say that's a manager for the entire organization. That vision is only as good as the people who know it and work towards it. So what does that mean? You need to be communicating this. You need to be a, an evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the vision and the mission. Right. Um, and then it, making sure that you are a strategic thinker, which means like getting up out of the weeds, you know, trying to get maybe not a 30,000 foot perspective. It depends on where you are in the organization, but at least get a 5,000 foot perspective, what's going on in the battlefield. So I can start moving my pieces around the chessboard here right. a, little, a little bit. Right. Um, but I do see a whole lot of managers who get so stuck in the weeds, Dave, they're so stuck on the tactical part of the job that they, they don't even know what the ultimate vision is for their, their department or for their business or for their organization. We're going to talk about that in the next episode a little bit. Okay. All right. Good. Good. But believe me, your team members are watching. Yes. They know whether you've got this or not. Yeah. Okay. And I think the, the clarity of your vision is it's critical, but then helping them to be clear on it as well. You may be clear on it in your mind as a leader or as a manager, but you've got to help them be clear on it. And one of the best ways to do that is to give them examples, success stories about how you are accomplishing your vision along the way. Because you should, there should be some nuggets. There should be some customers or client success stories. Um, there could be team member stories. You should okay. have some successes, not you know every day, but when you have your regular meetings, bring those things up yeah. to reinforce that you are accomplishing what you're setting out to do. Yeah. Yeah, that, that the chapters, well, frankly, this whole book, Victory, is really good for anyone who's, who's interested in how, how do I actually define a vision for my personal life and for my professional yeah. life, you know? So shameless plug, get the Victory <laughs> book. It's a number one Amazon bestseller. Um, yeah, it's an awesome book. It's an amazing oh, book. Oh, oh, and Larry Broughton happens to be the author in case you weren't uh, who's, aware. Who's, who is that? I don't know if I know that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was seven, I think. Listen, number right. eight. Let's wrap yeah. it up. What's number eight? Eight is, and this is an interesting one. It says, has key technical skills. That's mm. what they say. And I think that's very interesting because, um, and I don't recall exactly what they talked about when it has, they say key technical skills, uh -huh. but I can kind of imagine a little bit what they're talking about. And I think they are probably talking about that you've got some technical, um, I don't know, chutzpah around the area just a little bit so that you can 
help them solve some problems. doesn't mean you have to have it in every area, but if you actually are managing a particular area or leading a particular area in the company, you've got to have some um, intimate knowledge about what's going on there. I remember one of the first restaurants I ever had an equity interest in. Um, I'd always worked back at the house, with the exception of the McDonald's. I'd worked all over the place and was a manager there. But I mean, like the first full service restaurant I was at, um, I could jump on the line and those types of things. But I'd never opened a bottle of wine publicly (laughs) (laughs) before. And we were slammed, right? And so here I am trying to open a bottle of wine table side. And it was very humorous. (laughs) I just had to make make a joke about it, right? Um, And so guess what the first thing was after... You know, I tear the foil off the neck of the bottle and it's just an absolute mess. I went to one of the team members and said, okay, show me how to do this so it never, <laughs> so this never happens yeah. uh, again. It takes courage to go to a quote-unquote oh. subordinate and say, I don't know how to do this. Train me up on it. Yes. They love doing that. Yes, like the bat, they're the, excited the, yeah, about it. Yes, exactly. And but you got to make a if if you can make a little bit of a joke about it. Be a little bit self-deprecating, you know, um, because they they know these people who are doing the day-to-day job, they can watch you and they know whether you know how to do it or not. So if you're faking it and pretending you know how to do it, that's just going to cause negative banter behind the scenes. Yeah, right. Just admit when you don't know something and get the skills to actually perform effectively. You don't need to do everyone's job that you do as proficiently as they do, but you need to know the major um, ins and outs of their roles to see how it all fits together. So one of the things I love, like in the hotel industry, I love working with night auditors and promoting them through the system because these night auditors, they may not have worked front of the house, they may not have done these things, but they see how all the pieces fit together. Yes. So if they understand how the pieces fit together, I can teach them or we can train them on the other elements uh, of the operation, right? So there are some key technical skills you must know, but you don't need to know the minutia of most of the jobs. This is why some of these, if you're a strong manager, just those managerial skills are transferable to, to different industries if you know how, how to ask the right questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a there's a quick hack way, and this is what I discovered um, to get those key technical skills that you need. A quick hack way to do it is if you're because I was managing a group of engineers in a semiconductor company doing verification of silicon chips, and some of the stuff that my guys were doing, we all we had all guys in the group. Some of them, the things that they were doing, I just was like, wow, I just didn't even like, I didn't have an appreciation. Hmm. So what I did, Larry, is I said, okay, the next chip that comes in, that's you know, not a super high priority. It's kind of lower on the priority list. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lead that particular verification effort. Mm -hmm. So I was working in the business and not on it enough on a lower priority project so that I could get an appreciation of the tool set, what they struggled with. And I remember, (laughs) I remember asking a friend of mine now, um, you know, teach me this stuff. He was more than happy. We had a good time. Yeah, he's a yeah. great teacher, and that's what I yeah. discovered. Wow, he's a great teacher. Yeah, and so there's uh, so that really really helped me understand uh, what was going on, what their difficulties were, and where in our tool set, our chain, etc., um, that we should be looking at and protecting as well as uh, making it better. Yeah. It helped me do my job as a manager much better. Yeah, with that understanding. Yeah. And you build I think that's bonds what with your team members too. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that's what they mean by the key technical skills, knowing enough to where your team members come to you and say that there's issues or problems. You can ask some good questions to help them. Yeah. I like that. That's a good way to put it. Good. So that was eight. I'm sorry that that wasn't five. So you can throw out any three that you don't want. No, (laughs) no. Or, or just accept them as bonuses, free gifts. Yeah, and there you go. All right. Anything else, sir? No, I don't think so. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's take it home. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. And remember building a team is the way to reclaim your freedom and we're to help you with our course and community. Of course, our podcast, as well as our white glove service, where we find a rock star VA for you. So three things we'd love for you to do right now. And we'd really appreciate it. Number one, subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't already done so either on your iPhone or your Android phone. Mm -hmm. And then of course on YouTube by hitting the subscribe button and click on the little bell next to it to get reminders. Number two, give us a rating, preferably five star or leave a comment below this video, a question, anything, because it will help us to get the word out. Uh, YouTube will rank our videos a little bit higher because we want to help more people. And the more people that see it, the more people we're helping. So number three is go to hiremyva.com for more information on our course and community and our white glove service. Remember, even without experience, you learn how to prepare for, hire, and thrive with virtual assistants. Larry and I have helped a lot of folks. We'd love to help you too. So just go to hiremyva.com for more information. I'm just going to remind you folks, go out and do something significant today, my friends. God bless you. God keep you. God hold you. All right, go get them. We'll see you the next time. Bye. Peace out.